White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. Thank you very much, Jim Tomey, for the introduction there. Happy holidays, Jim Tomey. Yeah. Did you let him out yet? <laughs> no, I just I, I give him a dish of water and uh, <laughs> an Italian beef sandwich once a week. It's a big beef, though, so it, it should be enough for him to, to last. So Actually, there was a really adorable photo that his wife, Andrea Tomey, posted on Twitter this morning. It was they were getting ready for their daughter to graduate college, I believe, and they had a photo of Jim Tomey and her, and you know when he was with the Phillies, where you know she was like maybe two years old and with a little Tomey jersey, it was adorable, especially as a as a girl dad, a hashtag girl dad like myself, it was so cute. But uh, yeah, I, I give Jim Tomey enough food to to survive on, and maybe give him a little some of your eggnog down here as a little treat, a little holiday treat for Jim Tomey, who was locked up in my basement here doing the open every show, uh, like the Gimp in Pulp Fiction, so. <laughs> <laughs> that is Chris Tannehill. My name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Locked On Socks. Episode number 82, Chris Tannehill. 82? So close. So damn close. Yeah. But no one's at 82 except for like spring training invites, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll keep it moving in that regard. We have no one until Dylon uh, at 84. So um, on tonight's episode of uh, Locked on White Sox, happy Friday to you guys. You, you, you We made it through another week, uh, inching closer and closer to the end of the dumpster fire that has been 2020. In tonight's episode, you're going to meet your new White Sox coaching staff, some new faces, some old faces, um, and there's some drama Maybe with Tim Anderson, we'll get to that. And also, a finally, a White Sox player, a top-tier White Sox player, face of the franchise type of guy, has some positive thoughts about Tony LaRussa. But let's start here with the new coaching staff. And they were finally announced by the White Sox this week. Um, we had rumored a lot of these guys, you know, over the past couple weeks to, to be slotted in these positions. But now you have the official press release. Let's start with the bench coach, Miguel Cairo. You heard us talk about him a few episodes ago. You'll hear from Miguel Cairo on Tony LaRusso in just a little bit. You've got the new pitching coach, Ethan Katz. We told you about him a few episodes back. You'll hear from him as well. Uh, Kurt Hasler remains the assistant pitching coach. And, hey, Frank Manichino, how he's doing? I'll be back for the hitting coach, okay? I'm back, all right? Yeah, you can't get rid of me that quick. You know, I got where the bodies are buried, okay? I buried the bodies. I'm Frank Manichino. Luis Roberts, my personal project. He went 0 for September, but that's my guy right there. Uh, you'll hear from Frank Manichino. And assisting hitting, assistant hitting coach Howie Clark. Debo sticks around at first base, him and his whistle. Hey, you, blow your whistle. Uh, he's, he's there at first base. Uh, Joe McEwing demoted, basically. He was the bench coach, and now he he slides over to third base. So the further you, away you get from the manager, that shows you where your, your status is in the organization. But Joe McEwing sticks around. And, of course, you, you couldn't have a La Russa thing 
without uh, an uh, incestuous hire of someone from the Duncan family. It's not Dave Duncan. It's Shelly Duncan who's going to be the analytics coordinator for the Sox this year. So uh, th- that's your new White Sox coaching staff. Some some old names there that stuck around, and we'll get to why there may be some drama there in a second. But this is a pretty good staff here. Just when you, when you look at it, just at face value, it has a good mix. One of those things we talked about of having guys from the old regime and, you know, it's like a transition team. Having guys from the old regime and then ha- adding the new mix, I'm most excited about Ethan Katz. But, you know, I, I'm pretty high. I like Miguel Cairo, too, and what I've seen and heard from him also. But when you look at this coaching staff, what sticks out to you uh, about any of these hires or about any of the guys who maybe were demoted or moved around? Or what do you think about the staff in 2021? I think it's uh, – we already spoke about Ethan Katz uh, on when he got hired. I think – his hiring is a very, very enlightening. It's a surprising hire by Rick Hahn and the White Sox to be forward thinking to get rid of a longtime employee like Don Cooper. He's been with the organization for, I think, 30 plus years, but with the White Sox in particular, I think for 18, 19 years. So to move on from him to get a young, forward thinking, analytically based pitcher like Ethan Katz. That shocked me and hearing him a little bit on the station uh, yesterday on Thursday with uh, Danny Parkins and Rami Makloof really impressed me with the, the youngster has to say, I was going to say kid, but he's younger than I am. So <laughs> it's good that the White Sox are doing this, uh, this kind of youth movement with the old coach. You still got some guys who are, you know, uh, are uh, available and eligible to be, uh, you know, uh, hold Tony back from himself to doing the old school things. I hope Tony, like he did with Dave Duncan, just lets Ethan do his thing. Allow him to be his self. Ask him questions if needed, you know, to go and get a picture or if he wants them to go and talk to him. But otherwise, let the young man do what he needs to do and work his philosophies on these pictures. Yeah, and he, he spoke to, to Danny Parkins today and he mentioned, you know, he laid out his offseason plan to Tony about, you know, what, what the guy's throwing plans would be. And I guess throwing plans don't typically deviate from organization to organization. But Ethan Katz mentioned uh, that, yeah, this is the program I like to instill. And Tony says, oh, yeah, that's how Dave Duncan used to do it. So you hope that Tony will uh, have a hands-off approach to this and, and, you know, give Tony the data that he needs and have the guys in the best position to succeed so Tony knows who he can use on a day-to-day basis and who's comfortable in what spots and who's got the hot hand out of the bullpen and sort of work together collaboratively and uh, get the best results uh, for the White Sox in 2021. Um, Miguel Cairo spoke also. They had this. They had a big Zoom chat with, uh, with all the players involved, uh, players as in uh, coaches, I should say. And Miguel Cairo had some interesting things to say about Tony La Russa. And this is a weird thing, the Tony La Russa dynamic. You know, the further we get removed from this and, and as the coaching staff rounds out a little bit and you, you get distracted by players moving all around and the intriguing ideas of different players adding to the mix for 2021 – so you, 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 you sort of settle in with the idea of Tony La Russa being your manager, but it keeps weighing on me the back of my head, and I, I, I can't wait for it to happen from a content perspective, but as a White Sox fan perspective, it's going to be embarrassing. But you have to think that body cam or that dash cam video footage and audio is still going to be put out there at some point. Um, Tony La Russa is going to be – he's going to put in apparently his his uh, plea of, of guilty, which I think will probably net him some – 
you know, community service or a fine or whatever, and maybe part of that agreement, they won't release the footage. But things have its way of leaking out. But I just, the further we get removed from it, I feel okay about it. And you hear some of these coaches speak about it. And now Lucas Giolito is going to speak about Tony La Russa here in a second. But, you know, it's still kind of a black cloud hanging over this thing. Like, I keep going back around to maybe it's okay to, oh, God, another embarrassment is just around the corner. Do you feel the same way when you think about the managerial hiring or you sort of feel better about it as the staff is, is rounded out here? Um. I don't know if I feel better about it. I feel okay about what's going on with the White Sox. Um, it, I know Tony in, won't have an effect on wins and losses that much. So I, that's the only reason why I'm like, all right, fine. But I just wonder, and we'll get to more specifics a little later, about messing up clubhouse chemistry, making these guys angry making them not perform a little bit better. So those are the part, the parts where a manager has a real big difference, you know, clubhouse chemistry, uh, how these guys react towards each other and how they react to the coaching staff. If they take instruction, if they, uh, you know, if it's uh, just the players clubhouse initially last year and Tony's coming in there doing old school tactics, acting like that's his clubhouse. How do the players react? That's what I worry about with him. Um, and so I don't think these new hires are going to hold him back from that. Miguel Cairo, it's a nice, solid, solid veteran. He's been there, done that in the league, of journeyman of a bunch of years. So uh, I think these uh, players, not just the Latino players, but every player on the team can know and respect what uh, Miguel Cairo brings to the table. And then you still got the, the wisdom of former bench coach Joe McEwing over there at third base. So. I'm fine with the the new hires in that regard, but I just think that uh, Tony's got to save himself from himself and just let this thing go as it's going to go. And you mentioned it's a pretty good staff. A guy, you know, these guys are familiar with each other. Joe McEwing playing for Tony Larusa and Miguel Cairo playing for Tony. And he, you mentioned Miguel Cairo, and he had something interesting to say about Tony Larusa that sort of helped put my mind at ease a little bit. And this is sort of what you've been hearing from everyone that Tony Larusa is a guy who is a win-at-all-cost guy, and all he thinks about when he wakes up in the morning is is how you're going to win a baseball game that day. And I think you know, that that's what a manager, manager should do, and it's a little bit cliche. But here is Miguel Cairo, a guy who played for Tony La Russa, on how he views Tony as a manager and what he thinks he brings to the table for the White Sox. I learned how to win. That's something that, you know, he hate losing, I hate losing, and, and something that you, you learn with him is about how to be a professional, first of all, uh, first of all and, uh, and how to win. You know, I think he's one one of the most prepared manager I ever been with, and uh, and you can tell by his record. You know, he don't he don't miss anything, and uh, he's he's way ahead of the another manager, the another team. He he managed the team before he managed the game before before the game happened. So it's 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 unbelievable how smart he is and how well prepared. He is managing the game before it happens. And this is why I'm not too concerned about Tony La Russa is, is going to like, you know, spit in the face of analytics or data. I think he will use all the data that is that is given to him to help him make an informed decision 
go along with what his eyes are seeing, what his gut's telling him. I think it's a good marriage. I think it's what a good manager should do. And he, the man's a Hall of Famer, so I think he he he's too smart. I think to he's not smart enough to not drink and drive, but I think he's smart <laughs> enough to use all the information that they're going to have available for him to make an informed decision on how to construct the lineup. So uh, I was encouraged to hear that. And you know, I think there are guys on on the White Sox that could have benefited from you know I, I don't I didn't sense there was a lot of guys that truly hated losing. Like we know Jose Abreu hates losing because he sat through all those bad years of the rebuild. But some of these young guys, you know, they haven't experienced, uh, you know, winning enough to know how much that they could really hate losing. And I think that's one of the things you'll see in 2021 is hopefully the Sox have that chip on their shoulder from losing in the playoffs in a series they, they easily could have won. And hopefully they have that edge uh, that, that all winning teams have. Um but also, you know, talk about those data-driven decisions and Ethan Katz being at the forefront of that. And uh, he's got some interesting plans here. And here's Lucas Giolito and Ethan Katz talking about some of the communication that's already been going on with some of these White Sox pitchers and hopefully guys that he can unlock a little bit. Kind of a question for both of you, but Lucas, you've talked in the past about, you know, the talent that Dylan or Ronaldo or, or Michael Kopech has, and none of them have – you know, for various reasons, have had the opportunity to put together that all-star season that you've had in the past. But have you reached out to them about how they would work with Ethan or how you guys would kind of find ways to kind of really tap into the talent that, you know, obviously we've seen, you know, flashes of, uh, you know, throughout the last few years? Yeah, I, you know, when they were in the, uh, the White Sox were in, in the hiring process and I was starting to, you know, think that, okay, there's a really serious good chance that Ethan gets this job. I was reaching out to various guys on the team and, and saying, Hey, you know, I think that uh, Ethan might be coming aboard, um, you know, get ready. He's, he's going to bring a lot of good stuff to the table. Um, and that was pretty much it, you know, since then, I mean, I think you can ask Ethan uh, he's been in contact with all the pitchers. He's been working with them uh, remotely uh, ever since he got the job. So that's, um, I think uh, a question better suited for him at this point. Yeah, I've been in um, contact with those three guys a lot, and uh, we got some stuff brewing. I won't divulge just yet what that is, but um, they're working hard. They're sending video, um, have had great conversations of what I envision um, they need to be doing this off season and what um, I plan on working with them with. And and they've been very receptive. They're very excited. So. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what uh, we can do and then see if we can get them to kind of make that jump. So Ethan Katz is excited. We're excited. He mentioned the uh, arm slot issues with Ronaldo Lopez. And when he was on the 670 to score uh, with Danny Parkins today, you know, he was kind of, he seemed very excited and he was trying to contain his excitement about Dylan C. So uh, time will tell there and and we'll see in spring training uh, if those, uh, improvements have been made, but uh, it's good to hear Ethan Katz in his own words finally as they rolled out these coaches here. And you know, I mentioned uh, drama possibly uh, brewing with, uh, with 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 one of the Sox best players, with their best player, with uh, the face of their franchise. And we'll get to that after a word from Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best protein bar ever. Hey, if you're dreaming of a great snack, a healthy snack, and you're dreaming of a white Christmas, Built Bar's dreaming of a white Christmas too. They've got the brand new all new delicious white chocolate bar while supplies last at BuiltBar.com. It's got just 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 5 grams of sugar. There's also the white chocolate salted caramel bar. 
only 130 calories, just four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. As you know, Built Bars are always covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And let's be honest, folks, they're delicious, and my mouth is watering thinking about these new flavors. I'm going to have to get some myself at BuiltBar.com. There's also two free candy cane brownies free with every item purchased. And those candy cane brownies, you think brownies, oh, it can't be good for you. Wrong. 150 calories only, 17 grams of protein, and just 7 grams of sugar. If you're doing your holiday shopping for someone in your life who enjoys a good snack, they're going back to work hopefully in the new year, keep some of those snacks in their desk drawer, keep them in the car, keep them when you're out doing yard work or whatever, hanging those Christmas lights. If you know a person like that who enjoys a snack on the go, health-conscious person who likes their protein bars, maybe they haven't tried Built Bar yet. Turn them on to Built Bar right now by going to BuiltBar.com and getting 25% off while supplies last. Don't forget our promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, we're back. And I mentioned White Sox face of the franchise. You guys know who I'm talking about. When I Just when I say that, you know it's got to be our guy Tim Anderson, our leadoff hitter, T.A., who did something interesting on social media. Or maybe it's what he uh, didn't do uh, that was uh, kind of surprising. So uh, two days ago, Tim Anderson changes his Twitter profile he basically blacks it out. Profile, his avatar is blacked out, his header image blacked out. Everything is just all black. He, he's removed most photos. He did have a few retweets from the White Sox in there, uh, praising his Silver Slugger Award and things like that. But then he tweets this. T.A. says, quote, they shook it up, kind of wasn't feeling it. Now, this was right after the Sox announced their coaching staff, which I thought was kind of weird, and I don't like – trying to read too much into what athletes say on social media because I was telling Herb earlier, I was like, just Google that shit. I'm, I'm sure it's a rap lyric that I've never heard because I'm 37 and I'm a wash dad. And if it's not, you know, Gangstar or uh, Griselda Records, that's uh, a lyric I've never heard of. It's, you know, it's not for me, but that's fine. Athletes do it all the time. They say odd things that appear to be cryptic, but you dig a little deeper and it's, it's something else completely different. Um, but you have to, you know, just connect the dots naturally here. This this tweet came right after they announced the coaching staff. Um, what could possibly T.A. not be feeling here? Do you think T.A. was a big Nick Capra guy, Nick Capra being one of the guys not to be brought back? Well, what do you think T.A.'s mad about here? And I'll get to a follow-up that the White Sox had just this evening uh, after uh, I hear your thoughts about this. I am not sure who he is lamenting, who he's like sad that it's not uh, coming back. But yeah, it's a uh, very sad that, or it's, it's a uh, maybe a part of this Tony La Russa thing that he's just continuing. We heard the presser in the middle of November when he was getting the Silver Slugger Award, just noncommittal. He said, "Are you going to do what Tony tells you to do? Or are you going to stop bat flipping?" He's like, "Hell no, I ain't going to change my style for Tony." So I think maybe this is a continuance of that type of attitude, like you know, I play how I play. Don't tell me what to do. Don't act like um, some child. I'm a grown man and <laughs> don't be changing things about it. Uh, things that I already like they're set. I've been having great years. Why are you changing things? Stop it. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Maybe when he talks about shaking it up, maybe he was talking about that new Twitter layout with the uh, what's the thing that they have that's like the instant. Oh, ugh. maybe he's talking about that. I don't think anyone's feeling that. But yeah, it's kind of weird. But then the White Sox tonight, I think I don't know if they're trying to do damage control or what they're doing here. 
But the White Sox tweeted something tonight. I don't know if you <laughs> saw it. It was. I did. Uh, <laughs> it says it's off the shelves and out of the park, and it looks. You know, it's a photoshopped image of uh, of a box of pasta because you remember T A. Had his pasta parties uh, when he would hit a home run uh, in a game. His wife uh, would, would cook him pasta after the game. Pasta party at my house. Everybody invited. <laughs> Come on, baby. And it's a Photoshop box of pasta. It says Top of the Order Pasta Company Spaghetti, Chicago's number one brand of pasta. And it's got a picture of Tim Anderson on the side. And on the side of the box, it's they have out here. It's big news in the Anderson household. Every time Tim hits a home run, they have a ritual when that happens. It's spaghetti night for dinner. Enjoy the same ritual in your home anytime you want with Tim Anderson. Anderson's signature top of the order pasta company spaghetti. It's sure to be a big hit within the entire family. Cook it up, throw in some meatballs. Now the pasta party is at your house and everyone is invited. Come on, baby. And this was funny because it's, you know, you never know with Photoshop these days. And, you know, athletes will sell anything and they're always trying to brand. And I immediately thought this would be kind of a cool giveaway because as a man who likes to cook, I was like, yeah, you know, my daughter loves spaghetti. I'd love to go to a ballpark and just get get, handed a box of spaghetti. That would be kind of cool. Uh, but I enjoyed reading the replies from from White Sox fans earlier earlier uh, in replying to this post. Uh, the, one of the notable ones just says, sign Springer. One guy just says, uh, I'd buy the spaghetti noodles, to be honest with you. It is a nice looking box. But the basically, the number one response was, don't tweet unless you've signed someone. <laughs> so I don't know if this is damage control. Them, try, uh, you know, the White Sox Twitter trying to suck up and show that TA is the face of their franchise, and you know, it'd be, be cool and everything's fine, right, guys? This is fine. Or if this is like a legit thing where TA is blacked out of social media to draw attention to his social media, so they can maybe roll out a fun product like this that maybe you'll see like in you know in mariano's or whatever grocery store here in chicago do you think maybe that's it or do you think this is 100 percent bullshit and they're just trying to like say haha we're cool right guys please retweet us i think they're really having this pasta product go out like and eventually there'll be you know the proceeds will go to white Sox charities or to tim's uh, foundation or something like that i think they'll roll this thing out yeah we're gonna have it in local mariano's uh jewels Something like that. Uh, you can go and get some uh, mediocre pasta from these people <laughs> instead of making your own or going to an actual restaurant. And then you can uh, not eat it because it's ridiculous. Come on, man. Well, Ooh. I would. Yeah, I'd frame it like I have the, the Mark Burley Wheaties box. I probably have to get a little case for the Tim Anderson pasta. Look, it's a cool looking box. It's got a copy of his signature there. Uh, are, are you uh, a man who is a, a pasta brand loyalist? I'm a Barilla guy through and through. I never even tried uh, any of the other brands? What's your take on pasta? The world when wants to know. I, when I was um, first moved out to the city, Barilla was so excellent. And they had these tor- tortellini things where you just put them into the water and they would expand and we have like uh, shrimp or not shrimp. It would have uh, uh, spinach and other cheeses in there. And I'm like, ah, so delicious. But I haven't had Barilla otherwise. Uh, except for tortellini, so I was like, like brand loyal to tortellini for Barilla, but I've never been with their spaghetti or angel hair or uh, fettuccine Alfredo, any of that stuff. Um, but no, whatever Courtney buys, I eat. It's delicious, <laughs> Good man. I'll eat it. Good man, right there. Yeah. So I think maybe uh, my 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 branding sense uh, is 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 tingling right now. I think TA is blacked out of social media. Is when you black out your social media, you call attention to it, and I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden you see a video 
uh, rolled out tomorrow or in the next couple of days of where you can buy the pasta. Maybe have it at the Chicago Sports Depot. Trying to get people in there. They're hurting. You know, get them in there to buy some merch, which I think I'll do myself uh, in, in the next couple of weeks here. But, you know, you put those Tim Anderson pastas at the Chicago Sports Depot. It's like Richie Aprile said. I'm going to sell these for a couple, three bucks a piece. Who's not going to say, fuck it? Give me one. Yeah, I, I think... This is a real product. It certainly looks real. It's nicely done uh, by the White Sox uh, team if it is indeed a Photoshop. It looks legit, and it makes sense, and it's a, it's a way to increase brand awareness for your, for your, best, best, yeah, for your best player. So I think that if, if Tim had a problem with the coaching staff, we would have known about it a long time ago, a month ago. He, all of a sudden, a month in, he wouldn't be upset about the coaching staff. I predict this is all all nonsense, but uh, hopefully hopefully, it, there's nothing to it here. Um, a couple other things here. We mentioned our guy, Frank Menachino. How you doing? Uh, he, he also spoke to the media on the conference call earlier this week, and uh, he said something that got my juices flowing here on, on December 3rd about the White Sox. If you ask the players that question, and, you know, oh, if you ask, ask the them the question, any one of them that was there last year, no doubt. I mean, for coaches, we always feel that way. But if you ask the players, and I think they're really excited about it, there is no going back. There is, it is World Series or bust, you know, and that's the adi- right attitude to have. You know? that, I love that right there. He does sound like Coop Light. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's like a younger version of Coop. You know what I mean? Like, but I, I love hearing that, man. World Series or bust. Like, I, you know, that's got to be the attitude for everyone involved in the organization right there, and it's fun to deal with these uh, adjusted expectations there. But uh, one thing that was interesting about what Frank Menachino, how you doing, what he said in, in his uh, Zoom chat, is he mentioned Yohan Moncada not getting enough rest. Uh, we'll talk about his season and, and the rest after uh, we hear what uh, Frank Menachino, how you doing, says about Yohan Moncada's rest. When you guys asked me how many bats he might need and all this <laughs> stuff to get ready, and I really didn't know. You know, and he came out and he came into uh, the, the spring training number two and absolutely started doing really good. And I just think, you know, he didn't really have a second spring training. He really didn't have time to get in shape. So I think that definitely wore, wore him down. And it, it was tough. Once you get to that point, it's tough to recoup without getting an all-star break without getting a couple of days off you know a week off or whatever four days off so I think you know a lot of that had to do with it and stuff and you know once you get that soreness in there and it counts and you're out there playing if it's spring training you take three days off no big deal but I think all that all that scenario piling on top of everything and him wanting to be out there I think it just you know it had an effect on him. I really do. And it had effect on a lot of guys. You buying that or are you buying into the rumors about Johan Moncada being out in the region? I think we talked about that a little bit on the show before. Uh, rumors about Johan Moncada going up to Northwest Indiana uh, where the COVID uh, you know, indoor dining laws were a little bit more relaxed earlier on in the summer. Um, but, but, you know, obviously he had COVID issues and, you know, he didn't look like he was the same player. But they're going to need him in 2021 to go back to being the 2019 version of Johan Moncada if they're going to be a World Series contender. Correct. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about Frank Minakino. Oh, hey, hey I don't. people all day. Hey, long. I'm going to ask you. Our, our players. <laughs> what the hell? Where's he come from? Which one? Which of the boroughs he come from? Uh, Brooklyn? 
Benson Hurst. Benson Hurst. Benson Hurst. Let's see. Where's old Frank? Get out of here. <laughs> They're Jason Giambi, Louisville slugger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just weird. Like, uh, that voice. Uh, he oh. He's got some coupe in him. He's from Shaolin. So- <laughs> oh. oh, do you think he likes it? Do you think Wu-Tang is forever in Staten Island? Oof. Well, let's see. Frank, Manich- <laughs> <laughs> Frank Manichino is going to turn 50 in January. Um, so, you know, Wu- Wu-Tang, the 36 Chamber album came out in 1993. Uh, you Fix. know, he would have been... He would have been of age. Even uh, 20s. Yeah. So, you know, I think maybe quietly Frank Menachino, like bumping Wu-Tang maybe. You know, uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting question right there. But the well, age. Like, what's this hippity hop? Where's the good stuff? Where's Travolta? Where is my God? Where's my guy, Frank Sinatra? He's like Twin, 20. baby. He's 20 years old. Wondering, hey, yeah. what, what happened to music? <laughs> Where's Dino at? What the fuck? Yeah, man. Yeah, so yeah, Moncada. Yeah, you know, Frankie. I love. I want to hear more from Frank Menachino uh, this year. You don't often get to hear from the hitting coach unless things are going terribly wrong and you're trying to fire Greg Walker. But yeah, Frankie. Frankie's got some thoughts for you, and it's World Series or bust, and that's his coaching staff for you. But yeah, but you're on Moncada, man. It's gonna gotta have to go back to being the player he was in 2019, man. This doesn't work unless you're on Moncada is that dude, the centerpiece of the exactly. trade of the centerpiece of the trade that launched the whole. Launch the whole rebuild. He's got to go back to being that dude in 2019. Yeah, and I think he will. I think that he, you know, this year of COVID, you know, uncertainty, um, hearing about long haulers and other uh, ailments from this thing. Hopefully, the guy can skate through that and get past that. Seeing some of his Instagram, looks like the guy's having a decent time. And music videos for some reason. I I think those are done before we got spring training number two and maybe some of the reasons why he got COVID. But yeah, (laughs) Yoan Mankata, I think if he is at his potential in 2021, will be the best White Sox player. Like he was just like an afterthought on this team, which is amazing. They still won 35 games with Yoan missing so many games. And when he did play, not playing at his peak. So if Yoan gets back to 2019, Yoan, watch out. Back to Tony LaRusso, real quick. All roads lead back to Tony. Uh, finally, I mentioned a, a top tier White Sox player having some positive thoughts about Tony. Here's what Lucas Giolito had to say in that Zoom chat about Tony LaRusso. Having Tony LaRusso as our manager, uh, one of the most decorated managers in the history of baseball, you know, there's not much to complain about there. Uh, I've had a couple conversations with him on the phone and I am a big fan of, you know, we didn't get into too many specifics, but I am a big fan of kind of his like coaching philosophy, I guess you could say, Uh, you know, what he was talking about, what he wants to bring to the team, you know, starting day one on of spring training. So I'm just excited to get to work with, with Tony and, and Ethan and the rest of the coaching staff that was announced today. Yeah, so Lucas is basically a made guy. He's got he's a guy with with success, top of the rotation guy. He's got his own pitching coach there, 
you know, as the Sox new pitching coach, this guy, Lucas, does not have to worry about anyone really. And and Tony knows that. So I don't think, you know, you're going to see these two butt heads. And Lucas wants to stay in ball games and, and, and have wins next to his name with a good offense behind him. So I don't think these two would ever butt heads. I don't think they would rarely probably intersect unless, you know, Tony's taking the ball from him and handing the ball off to whoever the closer is going to be, or it's going to be Aaron Bummer or whatever. But that's uh, like the only interactions you'll see from Tony La Russa and uh, Lucas Giolito. But I thought it was interesting, the first guy to come out and say something really positively about Tony La Russa. And I wish they would have uh, gotten deeper into that and asked what about managing style, you know, what in particular did you like? But uh, I think I have a feeling it's let the pitchers go out there and pitch for you and put them in the best position to succeed. And I think Tony will do that. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, it's a good thing that your captain of the pitching staff comes out and after all this talk and this non-committal things from Timmy, from, you know, Eloy really didn't say anything about him. Jose said a little good something about it, but this is a net positive conversation and uh, answer that Lucas gave there. There was nothing that you were like, oh, maybe it's kind of tepid. No, he was 100%. And he said there's nothing negative to come out of this uh, Tony LaRusso Hall of Famer managing your team. So, if he's down, cool. That's awesome for him because they are the ones that are going to have to deal with Tony Lewis, so not me, not fans listening to this podcast, but those players. So uh, it's good that he's uh, on board right now. Absolutely. That's all I got tonight, Herbie. Uh, hang on one second. Oh, I know we forgot to do uh, – I forgot to do something in the last episode, so I'm going to do it here. Uh Uh, That's all I got tonight, Herbie, for episode 82 of Locked on White Sox. And we have a big show, a big week coming up, really, for Locked on White Sox. We got Mailbag Monday. It's already full, I think. They've been been flying in all week for the mailbag. Good job, guys. Absolutely. I can't wait to do that. But on Tuesday, we're going to record this Sunday morning. Uh, We're going to have, you know, why don't you tell the folks who we're going to have on the show, our first guest together in long form capacity since you and I have done the show together who's our first guest going to be uh, early next week Herb we're going to have Bulls beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times Joe Colley on the podcast I know some of you guys don't remember you're too young to remember but Joe Colley came from the White Sox beat on both the Sun-Times and the Daily South Town so he was in the, the 2000s for the White Sox. He was hanging around all those guys, the Burleys, the Garlands, the Juan Uribe, A.J. Brzezinski. And, you know, him and Kenny had uh, times where they butted heads. He was there before Rick got there. He's there when Rick was there. So Joe Colley will break down everything he remembers about the beat, uh, all the great stories he has about Juan Uribe. Oh, my God. He is just a treasure trove. He's a guy that is not afraid to speak his mind. And he had some, some battles with Coop too. him and Ozzy were, were kind of tight because they, I think they both realized they were truth tellers and they're guys who are BS artists and Joe does not suffer BS artists lightly. So this is an episode that you got to stick around for. You have to download it as soon as it comes out on Tuesday. Absolutely. I think it's probably going to be a two-parter, too, because the reason why we're having him on is not just because, but uh, Joe Colley, a member of the Baseball Writers Association of America, 
casted his vote for Mark Burley for the Hall of Fame, as did Scott Greger, uh, two great White Sox beat reporters, uh, one past, one present. But yeah, he voted for Mark Burley for the Hall of Fame, so we're going to sort of get inside of Joe Colley's brain. It's a scary place to be, but we're going to get inside Joe Colley's brain, and uh, he's going to talk to us and tell us why he voted for Mark Burley for the Hall of Fame, and we'll get some stories along the way as well. But I'm really looking forward to it, man. Joe is just one of the best people in our business, and you know, he, you know, tells it like it is uh, on the beat that he's that he's uh, reporting uh, under. So he always does the fans a great service in that regard, and you know, doesn't make a lot of friends in organizations, but uh, a lot of times those are the best. Guys guys to have that are covering your team so i'm look, really looking forward to that early next week with joe collie joe collie did a house of l podcast with lawrence awesome. holmes uh and you can get an insight into his life how he beat cancer a couple times by listening to that i would listen to both that episode of lawrence's show and also the episode that we're gonna release on tuesday so you get a full spectrum of who joke is and i love joe collie uh, like you said, he tells it like it is. I don't like these guys who sugarcoat it, who are cheerleaders, who don't work for the team, but are out here, you know, caping for the team. Joe, you will not get that. And that's why, you know, whenever he says something, he means it from the heart. So if you need to write us an email, which Mailbag Monday is probably much full for this one. We are not probably going to do a talk to us Tuesday, maybe a what up Wednesday. <laughs> Send it to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. That is LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Questions, comments. We had a couple where just weren't even talking about baseball or the White Sox. They're just, you know, talking about regular general stuff. Send those in. We're good for them. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. So for Chris Tannehill, at Chris Tannehill on Twitter, me, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23 on Twitter, and the show is at LockedOnSocks on Twitter and on Instagram. So thank you for listening to this episode number 82, almost there, Mm. of Locked on Socks.